0: Welcome to the Divorce Tribe Podcast. My name is Luke Mydell, and I created this weekly podcast to provide support and healing as you navigate the daily trials that accompany divorce. I have been where you are, I have walked that lonely road, and I'm hoping to share what I have learned and what I am still learning through others. We are part of the same tribe, the Divorce Tribe. Welcome to episode 13, The Pursuit of Happiness After Divorce. This week we will be discussing the pursuit of happiness after divorce. A feeling that becomes almost foreign for months, uh, or even years, when you're going through your divorce. My goal this episode is to show you that happiness is possible and it should be sought. But that it may take a while to get to the point where you feel like happiness is possible or where you even feel happy. To be honest, at the beginning of the divorce process, it seems like an impossible dream, which, you know, reminds me of the musical Don Quixote, where one of the main songs is titled The Impossible Dream, and he sings, This is my quest, to follow that star, no matter how hopeless, no matter how far, to fight for the right, without question or pause, to be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause. Now, some other lyrics of the song, to bear with unbearable sorrow, to try when your arms are too weary, one man sore and covered with scars still strove with his last ounce of courage to fight the unbeatable foe, to reach the unreachable star. That feels like divorce at times. And... Like achieving happiness. We get covered with scars. We experience what seems like unbearable sorrow. Yet we strive to reach that, what at times seems like an unreachable star, that star of contentment or even happiness. And to talk a little bit about happiness, I'm going to invite uh, my two kids and I'm going to ask them some questions on today's podcast about what makes them happy about what brings them joy, about what makes them unhappy. But before we delve into that, it's time for story time, where I discuss the current book I'm reading. In tribute to today's title, I'm going to share a bit about the book The Pursuit of Happiness by Chris Gardner. This book was later made into a movie starring Will Smith and his own son Jaden Smith, and what the movie doesn't go into much is Chris Gardner's relationships, divorces, and what ultimately led to him having sole custody of his son, even though he was homeless. So he starts out by talking about his first divorce. Quote, Even while our portrait of a happily married life seemed to be what we both wanted, within a couple of years I began to confront a feeling deep down that something was missing. If I had been better at communicating my feelings, or if I had taken the time to try and resolve what wasn't working, it would have been so much better than what I did by trying to ignore and run away from the problems. The real problem that took me forever to admit had to do with what was or wasn't happening in the bedroom. We loved each other deeply, profoundly. We were presidents of each other's fan clubs, cheering each other on more than anyone else. But our sex life was nice, predictable. Quiet, not hot. I wanted to compensate for not getting to go around the world and meet all those foreign exotic women. That's where my mind was lurking. So when I met this kind of cute, kind of plump, but fairly hip woman with a short, tight natural who happens to have a nice little place and who happens to tell me, I really want to dot, dot, dot. I'm going to leave it at that to keep the podcast from getting an explicit rating. Quote, continuing, I start to mess up really bad. It's stupid enough to be stepping out, but worse, I invite this woman to where I live when Sherry's at work one day, and I have the afternoon off. The whole time I'm doing it, I feel so good, but the minute I come, sanity returns, and I know that this is one of the worst mistakes I've ever made in my life. End quote. So, basically, this man who loved his wife deeply, didn't communicate, didn't express his feelings, and he ended up cheating and this eventually caused the end of their relationships. To Chris's credit, he calls himself out as the stupid one, rightfully so. He calls it one of the worst mistakes in his life, but one he repeats again. Quote, The real turning point that changes everything in our marriage and our lives comes when we go out to a party together and my future, in the form of an exotic black goddess named Jackie, sees me checking her out and gives me a look. She's 5'10", statuesque, stacked, wearing a shimmering dress like she's poured into it, just oozing sexual energy. And without hesitation or premeditation whatsoever, I reach over, grin, and grab her ass. End quote. And so then he jumps headlong into an affair with this new woman. Because of her, he gets a divorce and he has a son. He talks about his life changed at this point. He grew up without a father and so he had vowed to not be an absent father to a son. So when he started getting hints that his wife was going to leave him and take his son, he started getting defensive. Now, mind you, this is his second wife, um, and they obviously aren't having the best of relationship. That's exactly what happened in the end. She took his son and left. I won't go into the entire story, but He went to jail, uh, got out of jail, and could not find out where they had went. He found himself alone, without a wife or son, as he prepared for his second divorce. Now, at this time, he was working at the brokerage. If you've seen the film, he uh, starts working in investments and things like that. Um, but eventually his ex dropped his son off at his apartment and he was instantly homeless because where he was living, children weren't allowed. And that was the only place he could afford at the time. Now, this whole story was triggering for me because the author cheated multiple times. Um, and it's probably triggering for you as well. But what he does do is he changes his life. He works his butt off to change and eventually becomes super successful. Quote, By my definition, money is the least significant part of wealth. My net worth is not among the Forbes 400, nor is it my ambition to be so listed. But I am healthy, have raised two children as a single parent, blessed with a village of support, that have become outstanding young people, and I'm in a position to do work that reflects my values. That's my definition of wealth. Wealth can also be that attitude of gratitude with which we remind ourselves every day to count our blessings. It has been a blessing for me to have been able to break the cycle that prevented me from having a relationship with my father, one of the reasons I was so intent to be there for my kids, and they have been there for me. They have always made me proud to be their father and have always given me true happiness." So, Chris Gardner achieves happiness post-divorce. Yes, even divorces that he was the ma- major part of causing, but it did take work. It took hard work and dedication, something that is possible for everyone. But right after divorce, happiness can seem impossible. So I'm going to invite my children in. I'm going to talk about happiness as they see it right now, unhappiness as they see it right now, and hopefully we'll compare that to what I think happiness is and how happiness and that concept changes as we get older. And especially as we go through divorce and we start realizing that we can choose what makes us happy. We can make decisions that may not have been the decisions we made before, but suddenly we find ourselves with this freedom that we didn't anticipate, and it's scary, and it's hard, but it can also be a catalyst for big change. So, my son, Ben, and my daughter, Maddie, have joined me today, and they also brought Coda, which is a tiny, fluffy Maltese poodle. Do you guys want to say hi? Hi. Hi. (laughs) Okay, so... Guys, what I'm talking about on today's podcast is happiness and what makes us happy, what makes us sad, and uh, what we really enjoy doing, what makes us feel happy, like I said. So, Ben, let's start off with you. Uh, What do you think happiness is?
1: Unhealthily watching binge shows.
0: Unhealthily watching binge shows. That's happiness? Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, something you enjoy, something that makes you happy, is binge watching television. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes, but it has to be unhealthy or else it's not fun.
0: Oh, right, right. Okay. And what makes it unhealthy?
1: Brain (sighs) rotten.
0: Okay, well, thank you, Ben, for your completely sarcastic response. Um, Maddie, what about you? What makes you happy?
1: Spending time with family.
0: Spending time with family. And why does that make you happy?
1: Cuz like I have like family members near and I like have like someone who is in my family to comfort me if I'm like sad or make me laugh.
0: Oh, thank you, Maddie. That is true. That uh, That's something that makes me happy as well. If you hear panting in the background, that's just Coda. Um, ben, you can put him down. We don't need to hear him. Uh, ben, do you want to give me a, a serious response about what makes you happy?
1: Spending time with my friend.
0: Okay, spending time with your friend. And why does that make you happy?
1: Because he is very fun. Okay. I like it.
0: Okay, sounds good. So, what we've both heard is family, spending time with family, and spending time with friends. And then there was the sarcastic response of binge-watching television. But, watching television can bring you some sense of amusement, right? Some happiness. Oh, it brings all the happiness. (laughs) And knowledge, yes. Um, So... Something we did tonight uh, and something we do every week is we have a little family night where we spend time as a family. We uh, talk, we have a treat, and then we do an activity together. And so that's what we did tonight. We watched a TV show. We ate cookies. We uh, had fun together as a family. And so that's what makes my kids happy. Uh, Let's talk about the other side of things. Uh, Ben, what are some things that makes you sad or unhappy?
1: I haven't really been sad recently, so it's going to be kind of a hard question. But I don't really like it when I am annoyed with people especially if i have a good relationship with them.
0: Okay, and what makes you annoyed with people?
1: Uh many things, like if they won't stop talking when i'm talking, uh or if they interrupt me and other stuff like that because i always get interrupted.
0: Okay, sounds good. What about you, Maddie?
1: Like, it's kind of like if the opposite of the thing that makes me happy, like not being with family members and stuff.
0: Okay. Okay, so we have things that make us happy, and we have things that make us unhappy. Thank you, guys. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. Um, you guys can go upstairs and go to sleep now because it's past your bedtime, and I'm going to finish this up. Okay? Love you, guys. All right, Bye. can
1: I wa- say one more thing? Go ahead. Bagel bites are healthy. <laughs> okay, thank you, Ben. <laughs> Good night, guys. Love you. Good night.
0: Aren't they special? Um, I love them dearly. They are one of the greatest best blessings in my life. That and my parents and my brothers um, and other family. Uh, they really hit it on the head besides the sarcasm. Uh, things that make us happy. It's similar to what Chris Gardner found happiness in. Yes, he was largely focused on money. But he was also largely focused on taking care of his son, not being an absent father. And it was because of his past that he decided to make changes in his life and be a better person. Now, all of us have this past that we are dealing with, this divorce. And because of our divorces, we have that choice to be happy, to try to seek out that impossible star Um, to seek out the impossible dream. So what is happiness exactly? Well, Merriam-Webster's dictionary isn't very helpful. It defines happiness as the state of being happy. Good job, good job. That's very helpful. Um, Another website defines it as an emotional state characterized by feelings of joy, satisfaction, contentment, and fulfillment. That's from VeryWellMind.com. So that makes more sense. There's feelings of joy, satisfaction, contentment, and fulfillment. And each of those are differing things. What is interesting is happiness changes as we get older. We see that even though Ben was being sarcastic, happiness for him is being able to watch shows on TV, play video games, or... Um, ultimately hang out with friends. For Maddie, happiness is spending time with family. That one transcends ages. Uh, That one is the same for me, my parents, my grandma. Happiness is spending time with family. Now, as I've looked into happiness, I've noticed another thing. Happiness isn't having everything we want. Some of the most unhappy people are very wealthy. They have everything they want. They could buy everything they want, but they're not happy. And then on the same side, some of the poorest people in the world are very happy. So it's obviously not wealth, but that can bring us joy. That can bring us a uh, temporary satisfaction. Um, it can even bring us fulfillment. Uh, Exercise, uh, making sure our bodies are fit, because if we have a, a fit body, it also helps our mind. Uh, that can bring happiness, that can bring joy, uh, but it's certainly not everything. Uh, our mental well-being is very important, and it's not just tied to our physical well-being and our physical health. So happiness is kind of an elusive concept, one that changes depending on how old we are, depending on uh, what we value in this life. Some people may not value family. Some of the people who have grown up with negative experiences with family, that might be the last thing that brings them happiness. While people who have had wonderful childhoods, wonderful parents, uh, wonderful siblings, those people view family as something that brings them happiness and joy and fulfillment in life. So even though sometimes we think, you know what, if I had more money, I would be happy, which is something I think, I still think, I think, you know what, all I need is $10 million, you know, spitting out 10% interest a year and, you know, I'll be happy. I'll be able to do the work I want. I'll be able to uh, enjoy life. I'll have some freedom. And there is something to say for that. There's something to say for financial well-being. But obviously, it's not everything. Maybe it's, you know what, I'll be happy when I no longer have feelings for my ex. That's a tough one going through divorce, especially if you didn't want a divorce. If you were happy in your marriage, uh, you loved your spouse, and suddenly divorce is on the table, and it happens, and you find yourself alone, that is a jarring experience. So maybe we seek out other relationships to fill that void of happiness that we feel is gone. I know that initially, after I was divorced, when I went on my first date about two months after, and I'll have a dating episode at a later time. Probably a few dating episodes since it's such a big topic after divorce. But I felt lonely. All of a sudden, the companion i had spent 15 years with was gone. Uh, I'd find myself alone some nights, although most nights my kids uh, were with me. I still felt lonely. You can still feel lonely when your kids are there. You can still feel lonely when you're in a room because of what you went through. Even if it was the best thing for you, even if it was caused by, you know, affairs or abuse or something like that, you can still feel lonely. Uh, but eventually, as you start to come into your own, as you start to uh, feel that freedom and feel that excitement about this opportunity feel that happiness, that sense of fulfillment, even if it's small bits at the first. So, I was trying to fill that loneliness by going dating, and I went on that first date, and I left. It was fine. It was an okay date. There was nothing wrong with it. But I knew as I left, I am certainly not ready for this. I need to work on myself. I need to work on becoming a happy whole individual without needing someone else in my life. Now, I didn't learn that all at once. It took me a while to figure that out. It took me dating people to figure that out. It took me uh, time to finally say, okay, I realize now that this is not just a one-time thing. This is a full-time job of becoming ready for the right person or becoming ready to be happy, to accept happiness in my life, and that's something that you always have to work on. So don't get discouraged if you feel happy one day and then completely discouraged and down in the dumps another day, because uh, happiness is a continual process. Well, as I was doing more research into happiness, I found several articles and they split up happiness into different levels, into different types of happiness. Uh, One of the articles I read split it up into uh, different levels, level one, two, and three. Level one happiness is that kind of simple pleasures like uh, watching a movie, watching shows like my son, listening to music, those sorts of things. Uh, Level two happiness is well-being, where it requires more than those momentary fleeting uh, feelings. So level two happiness could be, for example, answering the question, how happy are you with your life in general? And that's a direct quote from, uh, from theworldcounts.com, uh, where it talks about happiness. Uh, the third level of happiness is a sense of higher meaning in life. It's, it's that sense of fulfillment that we talked about early on this level three happiness is really the goal that we want to achieve in our life, where we're not relying on those simple joys, those hobbies that bring us immediate satisfaction or joy, where we are happy with our life in general, where we feel fulfilled, where we feel like whole individuals. And we get to decide what brings us to this level? Someone else might feel fulfilled if they have wealth and cars and things like that. Other people might feel fulfilled if they have positive hobbies, if they are uh, happy with their family. I talked on another podcast about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and this level is at the top. This is self-actualization. I see this type of happiness most in people who have a healthy balance in all aspects of their life. They have hobbies that they do when they're not working, whether it's uh, hobbies that are physical, going out and playing pickleball, going mountain bike riding, uh, learning pottery or new things. Those types of things are what they do and what they can do when they're not working but at the same time, they feel fulfilled in a job that they truly enjoy, that brings them satisfaction, that they can find uh, meaning in. At the same time, they find fulfillment in family relationships and friends. One of the tough things that we experience when we go through the divorce is that base, that sense of balance is thrown out of proportion. We are no longer able to rely on family that we used to rely on. Or we might not be able to have the time to work on that personal side of our lives or even that business side of our lives. And so we now need to find another balance, another sense of happiness so that we can, like Don Quixote, achieve that impossible dream. So how do we find out what is going to make us happy? Because after divorce, it sometimes feels impossible, like I said before. So what we need to do is look at what's really important to us. Like my daughter Maddie said, what brings her happiness? Spending time with family, knowing that family is close, that you can rely on them. That's what brings Maddie happiness. And I know she truly feels that way because I'm there for her, uh, my ex is there for her and these things bring her happiness. There is also my son who finds happiness in friends, and he's been talking lately how he needs to make more friends and find that happiness uh, in more relationships outside of the family. Uh, And in the meantime, he'll just continue watching TV. So great. unhealthily watching TV, mind you. So ask yourself, what is important to you? Is family important to you or isn't it? If you have no kids, if you have no plan to have kids, if you grew up without strong family relationships or with abusive parents or siblings, then happiness might not be in family. That might not be what's most important to you. It might be in those relationships with friends, with uh, your coworkers, things like that. For others, what's most important could be serving others. There's just an immense sense of fulfillment and happiness when we see others experience joy from the work we're doing. I know that uh, for myself, one thing that brings me extreme joy and happiness are my lovely, stupid little dogs. They are dumb, they are cute, they are smart and I love them deeply. They bring me happiness in my life because they're non-judgmental. They're always there with a waggling tail and just happy to see me no matter how long I've been away. And then finally, there's the aspect of spirituality, of religion, something that can bring us true happiness in life, something that can help us see a deeper meaning beyond this life, have us you hope for a brighter future. In Psalms 126, 5, we read, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Just know that we have sowed a lot of tears. We sow a lot of tears going through divorce. You might be in the middle of those things. You might be weeping every day, every night. But eventually, as you progress, as you Build up yourself as you build up others, you can reap in that joy. You can find happiness in your life. To quote Eleanor Roosevelt, happiness is not a goal, it's a byproduct of a life well lived. So, live your life well, even though you've been through hardships, you're going through hardships. You can find that happiness again. Thank you for joining me today. If you found this podcast helpful, please like and subscribe. Leave a review and share it with others who could use support and healing. Visit TheDivorceTribe.com for more resources to help you through your divorce. And follow me at The Divorce Tribe on Instagram to be notified when new episodes and content are released. Remember, you are not alone. We are part of the same tribe, The Divorce Tribe. Until next time.